Hey everyone, this is Elliot. Um, right before we kick off with the show, and you hear all the great intro music and everything, we just got a quick snippet of our newest podcast entitled Can I Kick It? We pretty much, in this new podcast series, we break down the playing careers of famous African, African-American, Caribbean players. Um, it's not like a history podcast. We go more fun with it. We have a we talk about a lot of interesting things. Like, did you know Demarcus Beasley had his car blown up when he was at Rangers? You probably didn't. So, take the time. It's like a 40-second clip just to get your attention grabbed. And then we'll get into the interview. All right? Take you guys out later. It's 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 he's he's rubbing shoulders with big names. Yeah, from the beginning. <laughs> so while he's at IMG Academy, he gets an offer. I think he gets he doesn't get selected to MLS. Right? I think he's I think the LA Galaxy just offer him like yes. You want to go play for us? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much like the Wild Wild West of like the early <laughs> early yeah, this, is, this is this is like um what what is that what is that Netflix show? What? The English game. Oh, just you want to come play for us? Yeah, we'll we'll give you room and board. Come play. Be <laughs> our friend. Um, so he signs with Ellie Gasly, Galaxy, and I find the story kind of interesting. And he talks about this also in the Grand One podcast about how he was ready to just drop school and be like, "Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I made it." <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Joining us on the show today is a very special guest. It's the one, the only, Devontae Debussy. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Uh, Debose, by the, the way. Debose? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. We'll get that from time to time. But I'm, uh, you know, feeling great. Um, blessed to have my health. And uh, I want to thank you for having me. No, no problem. So let me ask, how how well did it take for everyone on the team to get your name right? Or did everyone get it right automatically? Um. <laughs> uh, That's like a black family thing, but even in my family, like my name is Elliot, and my family would still be like, yeah. E! Like, yo, y'all too lazy <laughs> to say the full name? <laughs> right. No, definitely, it's definitely a cultural thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to ask you, like, straight off the bat, like, how did you get started in soccer? Of course, you're from Oakland, California, everything like that. Like, how did you get started in soccer, and, like, who were some of your role models growing up? Um, good question. Um, obviously, coming from a a mixing a melting pot of diversity and just like a culturally rich environment like Oakland. Um, there's definitely a lot of different factors and you know mentors and influences that led to soccer. I think um, obviously my mother, um, you know, my father had moved back to the East Coast. You know, when I was like two or three, um, he he was an American football player for the Niners. You know, he was there with a few of their glory years, and um, his health took a turn and. Um, you know, for various reasons, obviously, when it came to injuries and, uh, like, substances and whatnot. So, my mother, you know, um, really, my mother and my village, you know, my great-grandmothers and everybody on my West Coast, she kind of elected to, you know, to be here and keep me here while I had my family on the East Coast. Um, and I think me 
growing up, knowing that my father was a great athlete, you know, that's all I kind of knew, it, despite, like, you know, the other major factors that come along with that. So football was definitely having the Raiders there and the Niners. I um, grew up in a culture where football was, like, the, the culture is, like, that uh, people are familiar with the Raider Nation. You know, it's kind of like just that um, tenacious, you know, and driven community drive. So I think that's what kept me, like, wanting, having passion for American football, but then that led to me, my mother, you know, she knew I wanted to play football, but she put me in soccer, um, and I ended up really gaining a lot of different, um, it embraced me in a lot of different ways, because I just enjoyed, I enjoyed, uh, yeah, just the connection soccer had, um, which I wasn't aware of, but I'd love to compete, obviously, I'm a competitor, I think that's what the, the culture ultimately in, in Oakland has to offer, so, and sports is something I love to do, and soccer was, a distraction almost from my mother. She was like, all right, I'm studying in soccer at age seven. And, uh, and then I never stopped playing after that. Was, mm-hmm. I had so many mentors and influences, like uh, a lot of international influences, the families I met along the way who took me in, I kind of rolled along with. And my mother and my grandparents, they were kind of just always watching me on my games, but it was with family, international families from my best friends today. Like uh, his mother's black and his father is from England, you know, and I was with them a lot of the times. And, been a, been a Latino and Asian family who took me in, and I was part of. He was a coach, and then my other coach was Nepalese, and his wife was white. So, dude, I grew up. I once I started that at seven, you know, and then all, in addition, like a just your standard, um, you know, white family in Oakland. Like I was in those houses and and grew up in those families, and I think it just embraced me a different way, and I just never stopped playing, you know. And I still played football growing up, but. That's how I kind of met soccer and became developed, uh, started to develop a love for it. Oh, wow. You know? So there's an alternate universe where you can really be like, you know, starting safety or cornerback right now. Oh, man. Probably, you know, safety is the way I defense. Just because I look at DBs. It's funny, I was on the radio show in Phoenix and I kind of, um, I got to meet people like Larry Fitzgerald and his son plays actually soccer. We got to really relate and he actually an American. Um, it's one that, it's kind of underrated still in the African-American community. Um, however, I think it's now being exposed and a lot of benefits you start to see it on the rise, you know, especially in the urban communities, you know, which you don't really necessarily see too much, mm. you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely relate to that. I mean, my mom started me off at soccer, and then, you know, of course, like, as I tell everyone, being in the South, and you're like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. you six foot? Oh, and you got a big? Yeah. Oh, come on, play offensive yeah. line for me. <laughs> like, it was kind of yeah. like how that thing happened. Um, yeah. definitely, I definitely can relate to your story and everything. So, I, I got to ask this because, you know, obviously when you signed for the kickers this past offseason yeah. and whatnot, and I saw, like, Virginia Tech, and I'm thinking, like, oh, he's probably from, you know, the East Coast and everything. And I was like, no, he's from Oakland. I'm like, yo, how? Yeah. I, I got to know. How did you end up at Virginia Tech? And how was your playing experience there? Yeah, um, I think so there's a couple of different answers. I like to, one of them, the answer is, um, ever since the five, like I told you, my dad had moved back. Um, you know, that East Coast, that Southern, those families. And when people say, like, uh, <clears throat> Southern hospitality, I think I, being a West Coast kid, and a young West Coast kid, I think the old days, you get that uh, traditional family love. But when you, ever since five years old, and being, being on the East Coast in the South, uh, dude, between nature alone, but then just the, how deep and how uh, the connection, the family, something I think stuck to me about that. And every, I look forward to coming to the East Coast, you know, summers, winters, um, you name it. Uh, so ultimately, I mean, when I got that chance to play the ACC, now mind you, obviously, I think um, for me, that was like the SEC of football, that's what I usually say. Um, so in the soccer correlation, right, that's the SEC of football. And it was the best conference to play in. Um, it, it was the only time I got recruited when I went on a showcase uh, and when I was playing academy ball. And as soon as I flew over to Virginia Tech, I always pretty much firmly had committed to a school on the West Coast. I flew over to the Virginia Tech campus. Um, I had my relatives I stayed with, so I was like, ooh, I love the feeling of family again. Um, of just like, you know, we rode deep and, and that, that support. And it, it, everything was on the plate, to be honest. I, I walked on campus. Now, the other answer is, you know, dude, I never, I never, I still love football. And for me to be in a place that, you know, that, that campus is football, you know, uh, you know, this 
football driven. Oh yes. Community driven and pride driven. So yes. I want to be a part of that that spirit and that um that environment. I think that's why being a Hokie man and um it speaks volumes to like this community like the Hokies offer, but also like again, and I, it, the the air and the and the and the embracement is different when it comes to culture and family here on like the east and the southern uh area. You know what I'm saying? So I think I made my decision based off of all those factors between soccer alone and just like clearly like, you know, since a kid I always needed some type of form of love and embracement, man. And I, it was an easy decision. I and the rest was history. And I love now going to the soccer experience itself. We were one of those ACC teams that is that I was struggling a lot, man. Um obviously we'll probably get past guys like Patrick Yarko before I came here and then Green Tech was on a rebuild and I was at the beginning of that rebuild. And so yeah, I think it I was um exposed to a lot of the physical talent, but also our team was a team that at the time under Mike Brizendine, um was trying to we trying to find ourselves and mm. and as you see that's tough to do because we're we're playing against Duke North Carolina Maryland Wake Forest UVA you know Boston College like top ten usually those top ten teams are in the always in top five you know what I'm saying so mm. um, so we were just struggling um, lost tie tie but by the time my my senior year um, we found ourselves just in a better fight a lot of times and I think I learned just so much adversity from losing and but then being able to get back up and fighting and um so i would say honestly i would love to be i wanted to win <laughs> I, I would have loved to learn to win but i learned much more in the social environment for me what i learned um through my team but through that campus um, i really met a lot of individuals and was a part of a lot of different um you know friendships that you know that i still have today so and i wouldn't trade none of that for the world so i didn't ever make it to the ncaa tournament we did have one run in my senior year in the uh, ACC tournament, but just then we, you know, had some couple. We beat North Carolina number one. We had a lot of great moments, man. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that was just like the epitome of like what it feels like to to compete, you know, to to, to lose, get back up, you know, and, and go out there and play another top five opponent. So it was definitely a roller coaster, but it's something that I encourage people to go go out and challenge themselves and I think that's what ACC has to offer to me man despite us not being that number one team ACC it was challenging so I think that's the best way to kind of answer it and it was challenging but it was well worth it you know yeah it was definitely I mean obviously when you think Virginia Tech you think football and everything like that and oblivious to me like I mean, being born and raised in Virginia, I never knew Virginia Tech had a soccer program because when you hear like uh, once again when you hear Virginia Tech you only hear football so. Yeah. Um, also, we had Scott on our show earlier, and I asked him, okay. so I'm going to ask you as well. You know, he went to UVA, you know, uh-huh. that school up there. I didn't go to UVA. I went to Virginia State University, so I got some beef with okay. UVA still in our colors and stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> but, you know, I asked him, like, is there any rivalry between you two? You know, him being for UVA, you going to Tech. Was there any playful rivalry? Because I know UVA just beat Tech for the first time in, like, 50 yeah. years. I was there, like, um, besides my freshman year, um, like, we lost in double overtime. We, every time we played it, we tied. We tied it. Um, so, it's funny because Scott Thompson's in my small group. We just obviously began training under the CDC guidelines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, shout out Scott Thompson. And we recently were just, like, we're almost connecting those dots that you're referring to in UVA. Like, I recently, because uh, apparently Scott is two years younger than me. Oh, and wow. So, uh, so we recently were just talking about, I think literally the last practice yesterday, and um, we were trying to understand where we were at that given time. Um, because, man, there's so many, there's so many cats on UVA uh, that, um, that is just, you know, went off to do a lot of things. And, um, and Scott, it's funny because Scott reminds me of a lot of UVA players, like in terms of like their constant, you know, they're just relentless people. Obviously, they're, they're always going to be skilled, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. um, so it makes a lot of sense. So in my mind, just because of UVA, uh, Cavaliers versus Tech, I'm all like, naturally, just because of, uh, we're rivals, I'm like, all right, what's up, Scott? I'll be like to throw jokes at each other. But, you know, Scott is one of the most charismatic uh, kind of people that he would never really tell you until we get over, unless he, like, <laughs> you know, gives you a little something. Then you know that 
that's that cavalier. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so to be honest, you would never know that uh, that we would have that rivalry till, but you'll see it when things become like a little bit more, uh, you know, intense and vast when you see that that cavalier come, that ACC spirit and that Virginia Tech spirit. And I would love it because we trained really well together. Like his training has been great mm-hmm. because we. When you come from a program like that, like when we train like the other day, like me and Scott want more. Like we, we push each other very, very hard. I see how that program has has, uh, has led to his mentality and how the Tech has led to mine because you're in battle every week, you know. And um, it's definitely, I can see it now. Just because we're in a close, confined space and I get to see that and interact with Scott. And, and I think uh, it, it works well for us. And obviously where our team chemistry and culture is with Aaron. Uh, once you do those are the type of guys you bring to the team, and it's like, man, it's a big, it's a huge growing opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm loving it, man. Let alone with Scott. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was Scott. So I mean, you I, you brought up. So I, I want to ask, like, you know, under CD, CDC guidelines, you know, only ten people could be in a group and whatnot. How is that working for you? Definitely being part of a new team, and you know, how is it? Because I've seen you guys do workouts over Zoom and whatnot. I think, um, like, a Karis Fitzgerald do, like, yoga sessions for you guys. So how is that working for where you can't really work with the whole team, you know, obviously being with what's going on. But how are you adjusting? How is the team adjusting to it? You know, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the same as um, that everybody else has to adjust to, you know, their, their job as a person and the skill set within their job. You know, it does. It, it, uh, Arises new challenges for the staff. You know, every the front office, the staff, Rob, our owner, um, and I think as players, it's it's more so challenges to to make sure that we are one staying true to those values that that make up the uh, that make up our community in Richmond. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, and then obviously uh, you know your commitment. You know, so I think. The more, if anything has to change, because we're all at least professional athletes, right? We, we're here, but I think we're most challenged to how committed are we, you know, to despite you know the circumstances. Like um, we've had to really adjust with our like our, our mental fortitude, and uh, I think that's what the underlying with underneath commitment is our mental fortitude. And um, it hasn't been easy, like just with the staff, it hasn't been easy. Like our coach there, Amika, has to be out there for several hours just so that. We can meet those CDC requirements of social distancing, but they, but they still can implement, um, you know, make sure that we're getting or reaching that um, those capacities which we need to fulfill to maintain a certain level of fitness. So it obviously, there's so many challenges to make sure that we're maintaining some level of fitness. But I think within our, us as players, it's like how committed, you know, are and consistent are we going to be? And um, I think that's been the hardest thing. You know, just to make sure, because come on, a lot of days, just like everybody else, it, it, it's hard mentally to, to, to motivate yourself and to, to you know, to, to get the most, the best, the most out of yourself, especially the first eight weeks was individual, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think we're adjusting more so now and constantly adjusting and adapting mentally, um, you know, but, you know, we keep it pushing. Um, our club and organization has done a tremendous job. You know, I've talked to a lot of players around the league and, all the different levels, and um, you know, it, it still amazes me how, uh, again, how committed from top to bottom, from you guys, River City to um, to Rob, our ownership, and to the front office. Dude, it's been I'm blessed to say that because um, not a, a lot of people uh, get to have it like this. So that's why I think we even we continue to be committed because we're lucky. I put it, you know, we're very lucky. So I mean. Yeah, it's definitely like very crazy circumstances, but it's good to hear that you guys are, even if you guys that are new to the team, still have the opportunity to work and learn and get yeah. to know from each other, you know? Because that's kind of like yeah. the thing that a lot of people have been having the biggest difficulty with is, you know, being able to physically, like, see someone except through, like, a camera phone. So, I get that. Um, So, when you first started your playing career, you played for two U23 teams, Oklahoma City and San Jose, correct? Yeah, and I also played for um, played for FC uh, Tucson too. Uh, okay. For that for that summer, um, right after like the MLS preseason. Okay. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so right after I was drafted in 2014, after preseason, you know, didn't make the first team, and that's the first year that they 
wanted to implement a U23 team. And me being in that um, that draft class, I was, you know, kind of had, uh, you know, I was given the opportunity to, to kind of develop, most importantly. Um, but also, you know, that when comes the, a first team and a first anything, um, are a lot of challenges as well. And I think the from a like a uh, organization standpoint, um, it was a huge risk in um, establishing. But from a coaching standpoint, and the, and the individuals and players, man, there was a lot of talent. You know, a lot of talent that was on that team uh, is, is an MLS and um, in the USL. So, uh, so that was my experience. That after being drafted and being able to be one of the first cats drafted on the U23 team, unfortunately, that was a time where. The, <laughs> That was, I think, the second worst season in, you know, uh, earthquake history. And they, their eyes were not even, you know, they, the, one of the guys who I kept in touch with came out for my game, shout out Dustin uh, Cleaver, um, who, who saw me develop. And I think that truly inspired me to say, at least I know that I'm still growing myself, despite the, the clubs. You know, they have to fire a lot of individuals. Um, and I ended up seeing a lot of people along my way. So... It's like, uh, despite not being able to get back to the first team, but to be able to develop and have freedom as a right back, um, I think that started, you know, the process for me. And then obviously, the Oklahoma 23 was just, man, that after coming back from Norway under those circumstances, um, uh, that team was just uh, a, a driven team. Man, we won a lot, dude, and we won a lot. And if it wasn't for that opportunity, um, and I got to, you know, playing with those another great team of, of, of players from uh, the Midwest who, um, you know, we went really far. And I think um, obviously our depth got the best of us. Um, and then, I, but that gave me an opportunity to go play in a match against the squad all harder. And then I was signed to the to their first team the next day. And and I'm just blessed from those little things that you two and three teams like yeah. kind of gave me the development, but gave me the opportunity. To, to go on and, and um, to get contracts. And that same thing happened in um, Tucson, really. Like, I, every time I played the U23 team, I've had, it allowed me to gain my development as far as my confidence and my technical skill. Then I got an opportunity, you know, the next year or whether that's overseas or here. So, man, I, I'm i a kid, uh, uh, what do you call it? A pro, uh, I'm a, um, what do you call it? A product of the U23. I played a really, like, three or four actually so uh, um, that's just kind of been like how you know a lot of circumstances work because you this is before like the the development teams and the, the establishment of USL you know we're starting to get going so I play a lot of games and have actually a lot of experience um, with a lot of U23 teams so um, it's been great and, um, and I'm thankful to be a part of those organizations because that's how I got to Phoenix that's how I ultimately my relationship with Ray Johnson um, came from me playing and being uh, being a leader there and going off again. We won a lot of championships. We won a Western championships there, um, star-studded team. And because of the hard work and you know and and when you when you do put in work, you never know where you might end up and what where that coach coach at that time ended up. And I happened Rich Charles happened to be an assistant, and then that, that allowed me to, to at least have a shot um, in preseason and then. Patrice kind of, me and him built a very strong relationship, and DDA took me in as a little brother, and I didn't, you know, I didn't expect myself, um, I knew I was a hard worker, but I knew how the talent on that team, and next thing you know, I'm a starting right back on that team for half the season, you know, so, um, you know, and I think, again, that goes to, I know it's a long, you know, answer, but it goes to just that, the U23 system, you know, and I think hard work. So uh, I definitely, it's something that um, I continue to, to be an ambassador for, but also to push young guys to, you know, not necessarily rush into a, trying to do what you need to do to get a professional contract. You know, go to a place, you know, where you're going to have a little bit of freedom. You're going to have time to, to grow on and off the field so that you can grow into yourself and into a position and into a relationship with your coaches that, that are best for your, you. You know what I'm saying? So... I think that's why I feel the way that I do about the U23 system and how it affected me as a person and a player now. So, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you you went into great depth about the question. Like, I didn't even get a chance to finish the question, but you kind of already knew where I was going with it, so that's great. Because I was going to ask, like, 
what are some of the similarities and differences between the U23 programs that you were at? But you said that you were drafted. How was your draft experience, you know, coming out of college and things like that? How was that? You know, I'll just, after one, I have to say, because um, all the two sides, it's like when you're an ambitious, hungry athlete, and I come from a place where, like I said, I think, you know, too, when you think about when you, when you, you know, when you come from a culture where three, uh, you know, three flies up and you catch in football, and all you want to do is, is, is win, you're competitive, but when, you, but when you're used to a culture that's professional, you, you think about money, and you think about success, and, um, you know, uh, it, me being drafted, you know, I think it was, a, that was when life and um, a perspective of what a professional really meant. Like, you know, being young and being drafted, you think that you're taken care of, you think that you've made it. But after the beginning of the reality that, that there's so much more work that you need to do. And in my case, um, being drafted back to my hometown team, you know, you, you get the you're going to almost get the illusion, you're going to be the illusion that just because you're going to be back home, you're going to be this space, and you're going to be this and that, and you expect that. But when you get to be around those other experienced players, and physically, mentally, it's like a whole nother um, world, especially when you talk about college, making it to a college to the, uh, the professional uh, realm, you know what I'm saying? So... Um, and I think it was, that was that was the biggest adjustment. I'm a, a, obviously a physical people call me a physical specimen, but I think it doesn't matter where you are physically um, or mentally. It takes you 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 really have to be able to kind of go into one of these professional environments with just the open mind that you're not here to be who you are in college. Just like in high school, you go to college, you're not here to be who you are in high school. You're here to be a part of um, and grow and, uh, and just allow that to happen. And I think me as a young this, this young kid, driven kid, oh, I'm not drafted. I'm thinking that this all this thing is going to happen. But I didn't, I didn't even know, let alone the business side, but also just the physical, like I said, the physical and mental nature of professionalism. So um, really just to kind of wrap it up and, and really be more direct with your answer, um, the draft experience was nonetheless a dream come true because I think every kid I worked my tail off just to see my name on that draft board. And I think for me, even still, Elliot, that um, in my heart, like I've I've done what I've always wanted to do as a kid. But I think the other the other part of my journey where I am now um, goes back to me not knowing, me not um, being aware and educating myself of how much more work I need to do physically and mentally, you know, just to be a professional, be consistent with my routines. So I think that's why, like, my story, my journey now is to kind of make sure that we don't cut corners, make sure that I'm doing more work, not just physically, but mentally, and making sure I'm in the community because that drives me as a player because that's what football is ultimately about. And that's what I learned these last five years, Elliot. So um, I've got to... You know, that's what being drafted and thinking this is going to happen, thinking you're going to be uh, this type of player, but it's really the opposite. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what kind of message being drafted meant, you know, um, for me. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that really attracted me to you as a player is not even your on the field stuff. I mean, granted, I saw, I, you're known for your pace and speed and everything like that. I don't think I'm not going to ask you about that because I need some tips. Um, <laughs> But it's really, like, the things I saw you were doing off the field, you know, all the work you were doing in the community and things like that back in your old club, Oakland Roots. So I wanted to ask, like, you know, can you tell us about some of your work in the community that you do now? And can you also explain what expressionism is to us? Because for those who don't follow Um, Instagram, you know, it's one of the things that you talk about a lot. Um, I appreciate you even for um, giving me the opportunity to kind of talk about that. Obviously, you've been, you know, um, and really the fact that and this is why what drives me the fact that you, you're willing to do more research meaning that you're willing to go farther into connecting and I think connection obviously you can look at my childhood was something that unconsciously but now consciously that I that I love and I think that we need ultimately is that connection so um, expressionism um, you know is art when you look up the term expressionism 
it ultimately it, it really describes you know um, feelings and emotional content, which is art. So, um, and and that's what I didn't find out with until DJ Drugba, you know, Big Didi was really trying to. He said, "Hey, like he almost said, hey, D, life is, is you're moving so fast that you're unable to see the beautiful part of the game." He said, "I know you're a competitor, one of the you know." Um, he knows I was this kid who's hungry, but but the game is, is so much more easy when we can start to break open and we can start to be connected to the game. And what allowed me, um, really a couple of years ago, even before Roots, really Roots was an opportunity for me to get more connected um, to the game by being more involved in my community. And coaching was something I started a while ago. And then I started doing it into my own mentorship type of business. And then I kind of was able, Roots was an opportunity for me to be, to have a role as an ambassador, you know, to be in all these schools in the Brown community, but also in the academy community, in the, in the, um, in, in the more, some would call it privileged areas. But I would, I would say that because I had a lot of my, a lot of my life with my friends was in that academy community. And my thing in San Jose at the time were in the majority of white communities, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it allowed me um, to kind of be able to see different perspectives and uh, expressionism is what is at the core of soccer. And I'm a kid, clearly, where expression, if, we, if we're not able to express ourselves, um, it's going to be very hard to try to feel that you fit in. So yeah. Roots was, man, the project that I was involved in um, from being going to schools, from being able to, to put on different clinics for these kids who never really, really touched the ball, even for the brown kids and black kids to say that, hey, soccer and sports is, is less about winning and more so about connection and relationships. Just like me, I kind of learned from Phoenix, like, man, every day was fun. Every day is a joke, but when we, when we, we work hard, but it's like, don't forget, this thing is much bigger than just winning. And I think Roots, for me, despite, like, us being, again, a first franchise, and, yeah, we didn't win a lot, but we won a community. Yeah. And for me to be a part of that, uh, I realized that, yo, soccer became, like, this is only the beginning. And I wanted to continue to be involved with that. And Richmond, being back in my southern roots, like, being a part of the community who's a pioneer. Did you know that this was the, one of the first clubs that I actually tried out for years ago? And I, and I didn't make it on those very fields that we trained and played. Um, I forget those coaches at the time, the international guys. Um, I didn't, that was one of the first clubs who rejected me. And, um, and this is, you know, and, and just going back and look forward to today, it's like the community drives me because it's almost like um, I'm able to connect more to this game when I'm more connected to the community. So every time I'm able to, I told my coach, I said, hey, um, I want to be a part of this team, but uh, if I'm allowed to do these things in the community, like I'm, you, you, I'm definitely in. I'm all in, and this is nothing but a community-driven club. So um, I think I, that's why I'm more encouraging today with kids, but also with uh, my other teammates and other teammates, you know, who I connect with. Hey, the more you get yourself involved, trust me, you'll feel that you'll feel a part of the, the sport more. You know, and when you're out there on, on the field. You go to feel they live vicariously through us, but if that if that isn't understood in two ways, um, then it's going to be hard to kind of fit in. So expressionism is a way for you to to be emotionally and and kind of more connected, uh, whether that's art and soccer is art. So that it's a way to be connected, and, it, and um, I can't stop being connected at this point. So whatever whatever drives me to feel connected, I'm going to go for it. You know, and that and a lot of, for me. Um, that's off the field, you know what I'm saying? When I'm on the field, it's, I, I feel like, you know, it's just a flow, you know, and I think uh, finally, when you finally find that, um, then that's what, and I think that's what you gravitate towards. So, um, yeah, and that's what I, I was just beginning to do, because I don't know if you guys, they haven't released a lot of the videos we started to do in the community, and um, for me, it's like I want to be able to go out more in the African-American community. So what I know about Richmond and the history that I'm getting to about Richmond, this is one of the obviously few settlements. I won't go too much into this, uh, to this but this is one of the first settlements and where a lot of, um, you know, my ancestors, uh, you know, came from. You know what I'm saying? And for me, to, to, to utilize the sport as a vehicle to kind of connect to my um, people in these different communities, 
allows me to kind of bridge that culture and to bridge and to have a voice and to express yourself. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think that's what I look for in this game in America. You know, and I want to be in America because I think it's, it has a lot to offer to um, obviously my people, our people of color, but also to everybody who 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 has a hard time of connecting with people. So that's why, man. Sorry for the the, no. the, the really <clears throat> long um, and uh, the answer, but that's but that's the depth of me about expression. That's no. why it's so important for me to kind of create. Um, this space in this game, but also in the outside the field. No, know, so. man, I don't really want you to apologize for you know your answers or whatever. How in depth you're going about it because this is what something like this is what a lot of fans need to hear. You know, we always hear about oh he's a he's great running, he can cross, he can do this, but we don't hear about the person. So to learn more about you as a person is amazing, and the fact that yeah, you know, you're doing work. Not only in the soccer community, but also in the African American community. And you know, like the same that I know, like it's hard to get African Americans to get interested in the game of soccer if they've never played yeah. it, if they've never been exposed to it properly. Because you know, growing up, we've always heard of, oh, well, it's super slow, or the old term of it's a white person sport, or you yeah. know, they don't score enough. Yeah. Exactly. Things like that. So it's like you have to like debunk a lot of those myths and show them like, yeah. hey, look, like yeah. it's a great, you know, it's a great tactical game. And I yeah. appreciate you so much for what you're doing in that because like, you know, like last year I did a whole heritage night with the Richmond Kickers and, okay. you know, doing that and everything was like open my eyes up even more to like the lack of information that's out there for African-Americans going into the right. sport and, like, the lack of opportunities for them to get into the sport because right. <clears throat> one of the things that I realized, and I'm pretty sure you realized it as well, was how it's easier for for our community to get into peewee football and AAU mm-hmm. basketball, but it takes, like, we're pretty much maxed out of getting into soccer properly. We could go to, to a certain age and, you know, still be comfortable yeah. with it, but at a certain point, it's like, all right, I'm going to throw my kid at high school football because I only got to pay $75 for him to play Right. versus, yeah. oh, I have to pay $75 just for cleats. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, right. and the soccer programs and, and like, high, the high school level, in urban schools, like, I'm a coach at Huguenot High School where I went to school at, predominantly okay. black high school, most of the sports, most of the athletes there, even the parents, even the athletic directors look at it as soccer as, oh, this is training for basketball. This is training for football. They don't look at it as soccer as his own developing sport, like pushing to get scholarships. It's more of, well, we're just training them to get ready for football and basketball. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, when you go into that, man, it definitely speaks to me, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it speaks to a lot of people because it, a lot of people can relate to that. 100%. And I think... For, for both, of, like for not only us, but for everybody in this own culture, right? And I'm, when I say culture, like everybody in this, every being is, is a culture. But then when you start to um, go inside the urban cities, let alone the other African communities in the world, um, communities, that's its own culture in itself. So it's like when you, when soccer, right, like globally, right, but you're talking about America, when it meets the, an African American. And then, and then it meets the the other cultures, dude. That's creating a whole new perspective. I was actually just talked about it with my friend, and I said, I think for me, and that's why it's like why this is so important to communicate and advocate and be an ambassador for this type of message. And um, because when you think about narratives and think about marketing, um, and what, what's marketed to our community, you know. We're people who are very uh, driven towards entertainment. Anything that vibes rhythm, um, obviously, you look at I me mean, football and anything that vibes entertainment. Uh, the black culture is very much so naturally gifted, but we're also conditioned to to really develop a life for our families outside of it. I, obviously, I think when it comes to the sciences and um, a lot of those departments, man, we've we've come a long way because I have a lot of sisters and brothers sons and friends um, who are now embarking because of our ancestors like, you know, Martin Luther King and a lot of Greeks who come from um, even this region, you know, uh, I forget um, her name, but she's one of the first women and uh, females 
um, to be uh, in the banking, um, which led to our reserve bank here, you know, originally. So it's like we've come a long way, but obviously me and you know that sports and entertainment has to offer what? It, it's a natural, it gets attention. So to utilize soccer from a global standpoint, but also to a, a, a point in my community to say, hey, like, this is something that is going to allow you to see the world. It's going to allow you to put yourself in situations. Like you said, you said this earlier, it's a tactical game. And I co- look at people like Kobe and Michael. And Kobe was, the, obviously, he grew up a little bit in Italy. Um, we look at people like Steve Nash and that. It's a tactical game because it challenges the, the cognitive development of the brain. I think for people to understand that, um, and that's why I'm, I really push it, the culture, rhythm, fun, entertainment, creativity, and you look at brain engagement, you look at tactical pieces, soccer is really, to me, can empower and accelerate um, the African-American culture, but let alone the, the, the American soccer culture. You look at you look at basketball, and, uh, and you look at our, our American national team, if we get that same cultivation, obviously, when it comes to the physical nature, but the mental nature, but this tactical piece, and you think of what it, we're allowed to expose ourselves overseas. Dude, this is, it, for me, I'm so driven because I'm like, wow, it's here. Like, the history's here. And now I, I, I get to be able to say, look, what narratives can I help create? The same narratives that, you know, music does for our people. But how can I put, mesh these things together? And I think that's what, um, um, along with being, like, an ambassador and being a community spokesman and it's, it, I feel like um, why I get so much joy because this is an opportunity to create a narrative, to create, to create, but also to create a new narrative for um, people who look like me. Because when kids look at me, um, they look at I'm a team athlete, but now it's like I want people to look at wow, like soccer is and sports is much bigger than just the aspect of playing. But that's what and LeBron does very well now. He does very well, and I think. He's one of the first, obviously, he's another evolution of MJ. He, he's taking his identity as an athlete and, and, and writing it and in, in, uh, being somebody who, who's obviously a, uh, uh, you know, a owner at so many different levels because at the end of the day, it's about owning who we are. You know, until we can get to the point of we not identify so much in this one lane as a soccer player or as a, as a, 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 a person like this, I want to be identified and want people to know you need to identify with with yourself and know that you're able to, to be who you can, who you, you literally can be who you want to be and not feel as though that you're just, you have this one lane. Because let's, let's be very clear now, you know, let's be very clear and, um, and, and honest about um, anything about when you choose one thing and you, and you stay with it, you're going to be, you're going to be driven to do anything that has to do with, with the elements like of this one thing. But when we step outside those boundaries, life changes. And soccer did that for me. Um, I, and that's why when we say tactical piece, I'm like, I call my mom, I say, Mom, you're, you're a tactical genius. Um, <laughs> I was like, why did you just, you know, why did you choose it? And, I, and I, to be honest, it goes to our parents. It goes to our environment. So the more parents get educated about obviously the avenues to school, but the avenues to go on embarkments, embarkments overseas and adventures overseas, utilizing our sports, this is going to, it helps, like I said, accelerate the perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's all, I think that's what I get from soccer and most, is it accelerates my perspective um, from my own people, but for the, the you know, the global, um, the global, uh, um, you know, you, you, um, unification. So it's just like, dude, I can be, I can be pissed about not being a kid who makes a lot of money, and that's what a lot of urban kids want to make a lot of money, but I, I feel as though, um, it's more important to make this sport relative, um, to make sure that a ball is in the household, to make sure that people are talking about uh, what we're talking about, about the opportunity. And I think um, that's what is bigger than just winning, you know, because once we we break that bridge, Elliot, yeah. then you're going to start to see, just like the NCAA, you're going to start to see more opportunity in GMs, coaches. Because for me, I, I, I really understand the, the process of the front office and why it's important to have um, people who look like them in positions so they can inspire and motivate people to say, okay, this is a safe place. 
saying? I was in the Oakland. I was like, yo, this kid wearing high shorts. This kid playing soccer. Just like we said, like, what you doing, man? Like, until that, until, until that dissolved into like, yo, yo, let's pass. Like, I was in Oakland when Martin Luther King spoke one day, and I was shooting some film for Root. And this kid, I swear to you, this kid was dribbling his ball. We were shooting at this basketball court. I was like, I would never have thought I would see a kid in West Oakland um, that, who dribbled a soccer ball down the street. And he was dribbling a soccer ball down the street. I almost cried. He ended up being in my video. We were like, we were friends today. You know, I know I know. And when I coach, I coach a group of boys, not because I'm biased towards the African race. No, I coach all people in all communities. But I have this, this group of boys in this, in this family of, and they're all um, of uh, brown descent and stuff. We're mostly African American. But it's a, when they were able to see me, that's bigger than just caring about sports. They able to see themselves that they're bigger than just uh, a game, and that's when you get the elevation of a mindset. That's when that's what we need in our coaches, and that's what we need here and there. And it's like this is this is what for me. That's why I play. You know, that's what this other side of me comes out of. Like you might see me, you might see that ACC, you might see that aggressive player, but ultimately because I want it so bad. Um, because yeah, don't get me wrong, you got to be a fierce competitor. But then you, you think about, like, what the opportunity has to present. So, like, you being, you know, uh, uh, an African-American man, be able to talk about soccer. That's something that not many people get to do. If you go to England, it's possible, but the American culture is definitely different. So I think what we're doing right now uh, is, is going to speak volumes to where this is headed in, like, another five to ten years. So I think um, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's really a beautiful thing. So, um it's only beginning. I think soccer is going to help accelerate the, uh, you know, the the American, the, like I said, the American soccer um, culture, but it's also going to accelerate the African-American um, divide uh, with how we see ourselves and how we see others towards us. You know what I'm saying? That's why I love when Kobe, he was an advocate of soccer. You know what I'm saying? Um, Larry Fitzgerald is an advocate uh, for soccer. Not, not because it is safer. Yeah, it is. Uh, physically in some ways uh, a lot less intense as far as contact but only because it's like you said it's a tactical um, it goes down it's a tactical uh, game and just like basketball and um, yeah I think that goes longer than just the physical traits of you know tactical players you know so it it grows my mind literally you know what I'm saying I think that's why I'm pushing it more than ever you know what I'm saying so um, you know I mean, man, like, you, you're speaking a lot of things to my soul right now, and I'm pretty sure to a lot of listeners. Um, it is great to hear, it's great to hear, and I thank you so much for being so open and honest about it. <clears throat> thank you, man. Thanks for giving me the time, and let's let me speak, because I know you probably, uh... No, look, man, I... I'm not going to cut anyone off that wants to go in-depth in <laughs> answers, and also, like... Like I'm a history major, so like, okay. I, so like my mind works like that. So I'm sitting here thinking, like, mm, that sounds good. I like that. Oh, that's true. Like, <laughs> so one of the other things that I wanted to ask you, of course, and you brought it up. How was it playing in that Phoenix club with the living legend himself, Didier Drogba? Like, how was that? Yeah. Day in, day out, you get to see how this guy. Of course, you get to see him on TV and things, but how was right. it getting able to work with him? And being part of, like, you know, I think when you joined, Phoenix just started as a club, right? So how was that yeah, process as that well? Was, right. And seeing how good. they have kind of blew up to being, like, you know, this super yeah. huge USO club that a lot of people that, you know, outside of, like, when you think of teams outside of MLS, obviously one of the first ones you think of is Phoenix, then Louisville, yeah, things like yeah. that. So how was that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, just to be a part of the inaugural anything is only going to 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 kind of turn around tenfold like years to come. So only time is going to tell, and and you're seeing that with Phoenix when you have a when you have a guy as global global uh, the impact as DJ Drugba. Um, and I, it's funny while I was watching the the MJ um, last dance, and I and I sent a video of DM DDA because Americans, only few Americans who are, who are obviously already in the soccer community is going to realize who this man is on a global scale. Um, however, when you are around a presence that 
that breeze and 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 everything that he does uh, is very. It's almost in a sense he does everything with a lot of care. He does everything with love and passion because his intention got him to where he is. It's not because of the teams he was on. Because when he, when he shared those stories with me, you know, when he invites us over and he cooks for us, he he does that because his intentions, you know, are to be impactful. His, his intentions are to be um, uh, are deeper than just say, "Hey, I'm VA, buy this investment." Like he, that's why that's it's so important. I never knew like. I have my own, obviously, um, drive. But when you're around somebody, obviously, of that experience, that it, when you see it through technology, let alone you know somebody, because Chelsea was already my favorite team. But when you sit with the person and you get to see their process, you get to to hear their story of before how they got there. It's almost like you need to experience it and see it to believe it. That that's what I mean by it. We need to work hard, not just for us to get to pinnacles, but we need to work hard so we can, by luckily, get our get ourselves in situations like this. I'm blessed. I worked hard because a year I took off because I ran into, like, you know, a mental breakdown and, and having to reevaluate myself and build myself just so I can be lucky and blessed enough to be on a team like that. I wouldn't have got that if I quit, mm. you know, just to be around somebody of, not just a great athlete. This dude is a, a great. He's he's you know he defused civil wars in, in his country, Africa. You know what I'm saying? And um, but when you see that process, when I when he's there first, when he's there, he puts your hand over and says, "Look, it's really about what you're thinking about. It's less about what you're doing physically." You know, he, he's able when he says that through words, you can feel it because. His intentions behind those words comes from like pure love and authenticity, and I think that's what people ultimately, you know, we live in a world where things are so fabricated um, because of the easy access to things, and and that's become a nature. And it's it's not it's not all bad. It's not all great, but it's important to know that mentors and 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 being able to be in touch with that deeper level of connection. It's ultimately going to say, wow, this is the, what a process looks like. And I think just to go, you know, to wrap it up and, and, um, and again, directly answer your question, I got to see this man's process uh, as a player, as a partial owner, and his relationship with the uh, general manager and the coaching staff of how relationships really matter. Um, because it all, guess why? Guess what? Because, you know, we have to choose Cotteron, you know, our French. He's like one of my dads, you know, like he was like a Phil Jackson to me, but he left to Egypt to go coach. And um, I think that's what Didier was, was trying to tell us. Like, hey, this is about brotherhood, man. This is about love and the connection. And we all, we all think that we can this and that, this and that. But at the end of the day, this is about trust. And so he showed me if you let go and let trust in, anything is possible. Look how far we got. And I'm telling you. It's, we may have lost in the championships in Louisville because they're a tactical tactician team, and they and they deserve it. I'm gonna tell you right now, they deserve to win that game. However, when you look at the dynamics of what DDA brought to that team, um, it goes deeper than just a physical tactic. It's like, whoa, this is what football is all a game about: trust from a manager, trust from a teammate, trust from a fan. That's what leads people, you know, if we watch something until I die, you know, a great Netflix series about it's really focused on the community. It's like that helps me put in perspective, Elliot, of what I'm doing about the community. I'm like, oh, y'all, like this is much deeper than just like going out there and kicking the ball. Man, I just got finished watching something yeah. until I die like last night. It's so good, right? Oh my god, yo, I feel so bad for them, man. <laughs> I feel I, so well, yeah, right. You like, oh, right. I do feel bad for them too, but I'm like, oh my goodness, poor community because. They lie, but people, this is, that's a whole level. Yo, <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine. You know, granted, I've been to, Richmond has been through some bad seasons. But I could not imagine. My team getting relegated twice. Then on top of that, you get to the playoff, you get to the League Cup final, lose that in dramatic fashion. Mm. Then you drop out of the automatic promotion spot. 
then you lose the at lose the formation um um promotion playoff in dramatic fashion. I, in, in all of this span of five weeks. I, in the five five weeks, I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. But you, you feel but you feel though like how how serious and how how everybody literally from the front office to the has to be committed to one new change <laughs> to acknowledge acknowledging acknowledgement, right? Yeah. Because ultimately what lies under like failure is like a lack of acknowledging like, you know, the honesty and being com- comfortable. It's like that's what lies under there. Until that new president uh, that, that new ownership guy came in and these new people, we weren't they weren't we weren't able to see like that stuff. But then also the players a certain level of you know, commitment. We weren't able to see that. You know, we weren't able to see until change comes in. You know what I'm saying? And um I think that's what like for me was having an opportunity on the field it's like we got, everybody has to be open to change to open to to being uh, a little bit more vulnerable you know what I'm saying so which means trust so it's like that's what DDA I think brought to that organization overall man and I think that's why you look at obviously it's to a stature alone the status quo alone is already going to bring a lot of people but look how he changed he changed the dynamics of the organization you know what I'm saying so I think uh, that speaks volumes to um, just like what is possible from a player standpoint, but from an organizational standpoint, and from obviously American soccer, man. Yeah, I love you know that. what I'm saying, and uh, so that's that. I mean, I think it's crazy. So, where where you can get yourself, you know, um, just based off of you know trust and belief, you know, what I'm saying, and that's why I think it, 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 it starts in the community, man. So, yeah, um, I don't want to hold you up too much longer. Are you cool? Like a couple of more questions? I know you oh, got to get the train. I love, I love doing this, dude. So. <laughs> Like, how was it playing for your hometown club, and especially being oh, open root? Um, at which I would categorize as probably one of the first pro-black soccer clubs in United yeah. States history. How was that experience, and what are like what are the differences in play between playing for teams such as Oakland Roots and then going to? you know, USL League One and playing for Richmond. Yeah. And what attracted yeah. you to Richmond? I know that's a lot, but I want yeah. to know. So, um, first, uh, to answer the first question, dude, I, it's, it's almost if you're, uh, you got a, a history major. Obviously, I can't compare it. <laughs> like, you know, the history of, you know, of Richmond and Abraham Walking Street, you know, before or five days before he was assassinated. And, but you look at the liberation, um, that, that was... Uh, obviously, the official beginning of uh, liberation, official beginning of liberation. Um, you probably can clarify more than me, but I won't go into depth. But I, that obviously, the feeling of the, I only can relate to that by a fraction because of how much you know my ancestors had to go through of what liberation feels. So um, I only make that that connection because I feel to the smallest extent of what, like, liberation for my, for my culture first felt like. Like, looking at the stand and looking at my family and friends I grew up with, people who was like, yo, what the hell do you play soccer for? This dude is fast. Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, but then to see them out there and they like, yo, that's deep. You know, for me, it's like looking at kids who I grew up, I coached for, and I also played for the first club in Oakland. And, uh, shout out Bay Oaks and East Bay United. Like looking at kids, look at me. Like damn, that, he coached me like three years ago. But also he, the first. So it's like a liberating feeling of like, oh wow, this is this is one what I dreamed of as a kid. You know, give me all the ideas. But it's 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 um it's a, it's a liberating feeling. You know what I'm saying? And um, it was obviously the things I wish that could go well, but I realized, you know, now that it was much bigger than just what I wanted. 
like this would be a first black anything because one of my grandmothers, um, one of my family friends, um, um, not necessarily by blood, but one of the first female professional uh, with a baseball players, black professional. So for me to be a part of something like that, but to be a first professional organization in Oakland with soccer, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, if I have anything to hang my hat on, you know, it's, I got to be thankful for this because this is, now more kids, like I said, are dribbling down the street just just from knowing that there is a an opportunity there. So for me, man, to answer your first question, it's a it's a it's an indescribable feeling of liberation. And then so why was I driven to to, to Richmond like so fast and why I made that transition? Um, I think I described it in the article that uh, that I think they're gonna put out, but I think the easiest way because we touched on it a little bit and. I think the, 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 the reason that stands out to me the most, just like Ruth, um, because I served my purpose there. And again, when something is, when it's building and developing something first, there's going to become a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I'm, I'm about to be 27. I'm at a place in my career where me being an advocate and ambassador for as an African American, but also for uh, an avid soccer uh, ambassador and just that overall growth in my community was what I needed to be there for. However, I knew once I did that, I was going to have a decision, right? Because that comes with great sacrifices and compromise. However, I knew in my career that I still have so much left to go that I need to be able to, I need to be able to be in a similar environment as far as community, as far as uh, soccer culture, um, which is very much more well known here. Like you, the River City, like. This it reminds me closest thing to like the support that a European club gets, and it, that's because look at it's one of the first soccer communities, you know what I'm saying, um, in America, one of them, you know what I'm saying, and um, uh, it's a franchise that that doesn't have to do as much marketing. And marketing is great, but I think because I'm a marketing guy, so I so I push. I'm like, yo, we gotta be, <laughs> you know, we gotta. There's so much more we can do. Like I get, I get, I'm like a kid in a candy store because the history that we have here. And not only to the 30% African-American community in Richmond, which I've looked at, and I said this is a lot of the reason why I'm here, because I want to be allowed to, one, like I said, be a part of that bridge. But, so that was a huge part for me, but also when it comes to Darren and his energy, when you look at his background, and Nika's background, like, and you look at my teammates, and why, um, like, dude, I want to be, I still believe in myself, and I believe that, um, like I said, there's still a good five years um, or more or several years left that I have yet to tap into. Mm-hmm. And I need to kind of commit myself into an environment I'm familiar with and which I am. It's like a second home. It's like a second route for me. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, please, I'm, so, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I really didn't publicly get to kind of write my write all this out to people. And it was kind of like, yeah, even like in my last events that route. This was really a big, um, this was tough, man. I ain't going to lie to you. It was very emotional. Mm-hmm. But um, I, would, I want people to know that Virginia, this part of the world was my second home, too. You know, my dad and, and my and, um, I went to school, and I, I grew up a lot on this side. And I'm drawn, again, I'm drawn to these communities. But also, it made sense, obviously, for my family and my girlfriend's family, who's from Virginia. Um, but it made sense for where I wanted to head to for my professional soccer career and what Darren had to offer, but also what this community had to embrace me. So I'm like, you know, as tough as I wanted to be back, it's time to, again, when you talk about being complacent and being, keeping them moving and challenging, I like, I have to, I need to do this. Uh, not just for me, but for what potentially could be. And, um, dude, I'm loving every, despite our circumstances, right? Just for me to get the time to walk down the James River, being able to to connect with my coaches, being able to connect to you, um, I feel like I'm this. I'm what I'm experiencing at Roots. Obviously, we weren't we're not able to experience this in a stadium because I think that's what it ultimately you know ties to. And I can't do these projects in the community yet, you know. But um, it gives me an opportunity and um, uh, uh, to say, hey, this is very much so needed. And, um, yeah, it, it, it makes so much sense to me, you know, and I think I hope people can 
can understand that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, because as much of how much love I have in the West Coast, remember I call myself a bi-coastal kid. Right? <laughs> this is me giving that love. It's time for me to do this on the East Coast too, and to better myself as a player because I think there's still so much, much more um, room to grow. So um, in the places um, that I strive to be as a player too, you know. So uh, yeah. Man, I thank you so much for coming on um, today's episode, man. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you, yo. Like, just hearing everything about your backstory, how you played, why you got involved with the game. Like, you are the true definition of more than an athlete. You know, LeBron's famous quote and everything like that, man. Um, whew. It's, I got to say, man, this is probably one of my favorite interviews I've done. Man, I... Dude, I appreciate, man, that, that really uplifts my soul. It feeds me um, to hear you say that because, like I said, man, dog kids and people out there, we wouldn't have this opportunity if it, if it weren't for, um, you know, people before us um, and the game itself being able to, to kind of be able to express ourselves, you know, on and off the field. Um, so I think uh, I thank you um, and I thank the community, um, River City, I think the supporters, Um just for me, just for embracing me and for making me feel loved like uh, like I did back home, um, and, and, and despite our circumstances. So I thank you, man, um, for you being a voice uh, for all communities, you know, and, and especially you know our the black community, um, so we can start to continue to continue to connect, man. This, this continue to connect. So uh, I'm thankful, so thankful for you, man. Appreciate you for having me. No, no problem, man. You have a great rest of the day. All right. All right, man. Bye. This episode of River City 93 is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. If you're looking to get a custom scarf or jersey made, those are your two spots in Hennepin. Once again, that's Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. And as always, I'm your host, Elliot Barr, and keep us on the good side, guys. Take it out.